Hello. Can you see me now? Yes, I can. Hi, Daniel. Hey, good to see you, Philip. Can you see me fine and hear me fine? You're absolutely crystal clear. Great. Glad to hear it. All right. Well, hey, welcome to the Edge Broadcast, man. We're going to talk about we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, uh, the soul, and uh, your, of course your book there, love the loving power of the soul. And uh, uh, let's just start off. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, who are you, and why did you start writing about the soul? Well, my wife and partner Jane Montrose and I, uh, sort of our our mutual uh, journey of looking into awakening and enlightenment for the last three decades. Uh, led us eventually to write this new book, The uh, Loving Power of Your Soul. And uh, we were looking in our 20s years ago uh, for more spiritual enlightenment, awakening, like many people do sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, I, personally, I was looking into different – this was in the 1970s, way before the internet. And uh, there was – Buddhism and Eastern religions and Japanese tea ceremonies and other psychologies. I just, you know, you know, kind of looking around there, what's what's out there. Uh, and uh, I was led into a, a spiritual school by uh, uh, the Gurdjieff uh, Ospensky line. They were uh, sort of spiritual esoteric philosophers in the last century. Hmm. And uh, it was a group, you know, spiritual group. Okay. And spiritual groups are kind of like mini religions, sort of concentrated or laser-like. Okay. So they they do have a, a little bit of a can get into a little cult-like thing where the leader becomes very powerful and sort of following the leader type of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're gurus and things, and there's a there's guru. a place for that. Okay, yeah, there is. Guru. But uh, it, it it became disillusioning after a while because. It was like the leader could be awakened, but no one else could. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of that trap, that pattern. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's a couple patterns out there. One is if you are in the special group, the special religion, then you are chosen. Mm-hmm. And then within certain groups, especially cult-like groups, then the leader is sort of chosen, and you're sort of tied in codependently with that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of lose your power in your way that and until you sort of uh, wake up and break ties with that. So that got us into looking into healing because we realized healing is a key part of awakening. Hmm. Uh, okay. And that led us into hypnotherapy and energy healings like EFT, and we developed some of our own mm-hmm. spiritual kinesiology and uh, soul connecting and uh, started doing that independently with people, training, writing books. And in the meantime, my wife was a architect for a while. I was an educator but that uh, we eventually replaced that and kind of got burnt out with those professions and went full time into holistic coaching and healing and writing. Hmm. Uh, well, I kind of kind of know what you're talking about when you talk about uh, different groups may go sort of in a in a kind of a cultish realm. Um, and you mentioned the leader seems to be the one that gets there. That reminded <laughs> me. That reminded me when I was a approached or harassed by some moonies and they wanted me to they had this like case like you know like like you go to new york and the guy opens the trench coat and there's watches well they open this thing and there's little rings i said well, what's this all about i said well we want you to buy a ring so we can give our money to reverend moon i said well why do you want to give money to reverend moon this is the actual conversation i had and he said well because reverend moon hears from god i said 
well, do you? He goes, well, no, we're not as high as him. We, we have to hear it through him. I, I said, well, I'm thinking that you should be able to go to God directly and you shouldn't have to finance Reverend Moon's operation. He, just, he was just confused. He did, He's never heard of this, the concept that maybe he could get directly uh, to, uh, to to God's throne or whatever they profess. I didn't hear too much on what, what they do do. Then I'll, then I'll, leave you, I'll get back to you in just a second because I have a second one. And that was when... I got the knock on the door from Jehovah Witnesses, and they said, hello, we want you to uh, sign up to be in our our crew or our, our, our hierarchy. Or I don't know either their, their, their force or whatever. I didn't know exactly how that was. And I said, well, I said, well what's going on with that? And they said, well, we're one of the 144,000, and we each, we get a planet when we die, and we need subjects. And I said, wait a minute. You, you come into my door and you want me to be a subject of you on some distant planet when I die. I said, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. OK, I'm just not not, not going there. I'm not going to be your subject somewhere on some other hidden planet. So anyway, that's so, so it does happen. I, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe there's a, a quicker course between us and the, the hereafter or, or the larger sense of, of uh, eternity out there. What do you say? Well, that that was our whole uh, journey here, Daniel, about connecting with the soul, the wisdom within, the spark of the divine. Um, and uh, we, we ran across some teachers, my wife, Jane Montrose, and I in the ni- early 1990s who sort of taught us about that and we called it soul centering, which we developed sort of our own uh, uh, interpretation of that and wrote that in the book, The Loving Power of Your Soul, How to Connect with Your Soul. Many people think it's just an unusual experience to be connecting with your soul. I think most people, unless they're really atheistic, believe there is some kind of deeper connection uh, to God, oneness, unity, however you phrase it. And that when you're in this awesome state, a state of awe, maybe a sunset or sunrise or beauty, you feel the power of the universe. I think everyone feels that in nature sometimes. Or if you're in this intense crisis, sometimes you're just completely aware of everything. Mm -hmm. However, what we realize is you can be present moment to moment, including this moment. And uh, we have six actually ways to do it in the loving power of your soul. And that's what we started to do years ago around 1990. And it really shifted our lives to be more present and to really awaken more what we wanted to do and and then actually use that energy also for healing as well. Okay, let me welcome a few additional people in our live chat. Uh, Killed by Bigfoot, yes. Robert Griffin, Dolly Van Der Reith, uh, Gary Granado, Overbuilt Automotive, Teflon Coat, Rupert Fellows, and Vincent Plattensall all joined us here in the live chat. If you're watching this program, the chat on the YouTube channel is on the right. If you're watching this program from the website, the chat is on the left upper, and both of those pop out, and you can move those chats. They're both combined. And by the way, uh, um, Philip, we have a... Poll question on on our website there uh, next to your bio and then show information. What is the soul is the question, which we feel is relevant. And their answers can be the subconscious, the immaterial essence of a human, the immortal part of the body, the heart, the pineal gland, the lower part of a tennis shoe or a Beatles (laughs) or a Beatles album. That might be one that you might know that one. But uh, but of those, if you want me to read them again, I will. Which one would you say is the closest descriptor of a soul? You want me to read them again? Well, maybe maybe it would be more uh, 
a, a better answer if I just sort of answer it sort of within, which might encompass some of several okay. of the answers. Would Sounds that good. be okay if we Absolutely <laughs> It's kind it. of hard to put it into a multiple choice, although it's an interesting approach, kind of a left brain approach. The left brain actually sort of translates some of the right brain, which is connected with the heart which is the seat of the soul, sometimes it's called that. So it's that inner knowingness, that sense of oneness and connection, that connection. And interestingly enough, we're sort of born in amnesia. Life is our sleep. Our, our life is but a forgetting, Williams Wordsworth. But we've come from afar. And it's there all the time, that greater us. And when we're quiet and listen, we have that sense of present and oneness, and unity, and intensity, and surrender, all of those things, it's its a feeling, it's a knowingness, and uh, actually, it's interesting enough, it's sort of, it's sort of like our, our divine wisdom, that as we connect with it, it's always there, mm -hmm. and it uses our intelligences, our physical intelligence, our emotional intelligence, our mental intelligence, it uses the intelligence for us to grow and to learn. And the way I understand it is if you came here for a reason, which I believe you did, most people do, although some don't, but if you're here for a reason, if it makes sense, if the universe isn't just a random thing that somehow we're talking in this conversation just by random, you know, all these things happen and it's just sort of, you know, an accident. Mm -hmm. If you think there's some sense to it and meaning to it, why are you here? Well, you're here to love, to create, and this is all the soul, I'm answering the soul answer, okay. uh, love, to create, and to heal. And these are patterns that could come from previous lifetimes, things that your soul took you here to expand. And it seems to me it's sort of the universe or God is, is like that too on a bigger, almost incomprehensible scale that we're sort of off, just like we're an offshoot of our soul. Our soul is sort of an offshoot or a part of the divinity and oneness for this uh, grand uh, experiment movement mm -hmm. uh, that is the universe that we're here experiencing now. Mm -hmm. Some people say there's a, a triune uh, part of the of human existence, the, the mind, the soul, and the body. Do you think that the soul is the same as your consciousness? Well, the soul, the soul connects you with your consciousness that connects with everything. I mean, there's different levels of consciousness. There's sort of your mental consciousness, as I said, your faculties, but the knowingness that connects you with things beyond the physical, beyond the rational, which includes that, but goes way beyond that, that knowingness, that transcendent quality, uh, that's your consciousness that's here. Uh, and in a way that doesn't change, but in a way it does because I, I do feel we're somehow evolving and that gives us purpose and fulfillment and meaning why we're here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're looking at uh, a, a screen grab from your website there. Life is ripe with opportunities and in this moment, your greatest opportunity might be where you are right now. Uh, the good doctor yourself and your wife there, it looks like. So are we right now and the people watching this program, is this the greatest opportunity at this very moment? Well, the, in a way, the only opportunity you have is right now. Mm -hmm. So this, this, all you can really do is take advantage of now. You can plan for the future, you can learn from the past, but you can only experience now, and this is where things are going to shift. 
So if you decide right now listening to this podcast um, that you want to grow, to have more love, to have more creativity, to heal, uh, you can. Mm-hmm. It's, it's choice. Or you, or you can kind of stay asleep. You know, when they say awaken, it sort of implies that you weren't awake. You were somewhat asleep, to use language. Mm-hmm. That means you weren't that aware of yourself being in this moment, living your life more consciously. Okay. Now we have questions coming in. And uh, let's yes. uh, get, uh, by the way, welcome, Laura. I see you just logged in the live chat as well. Smoke C says, uh, Doctor, what's the relationship between non-random events and free will? Non-random events. It's not random events and free will or non-random events. That's a, a, it's sort of, I'm a little puzzled by the word non-random. It almost sounds like it's random events. Mm-hmm. That would make sense, that question. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure what non-random events are. I'm, I'm going to just. Well, non-random I mean, I, to me means it ordered. Oh, okay. I mean, so, if that, I'm not speaking for the person, but I mean, yeah, I'm if gonna, you, if you, that would. So, what's the difference between ordered events and free will? Yeah. Ordered events and free will. This is getting a little abstract and mental, so I'm, I'm not quite sure of the words, but I will say that I think there is a certain order to the universe, and there is free will, and there is randomness, mm-hmm. but. Because your soul has a plan, that means something that you came into this universe, into this incarnation, into this life in a loose, flexible way with certain parents and settings and conditions for things to learn. There's a certain order to that. Mm -hmm. So if you're living in the United States, you're not living in India. You know, there's a certain order to that. You know, if you're a male, there's a certain order to that than if you're a female, Mm -hmm. etc., Mm-hmm. So there's a certain order there, and there's going to be some random things, some things that come out of the blue that are, is going to spark your creativity. Mm-hmm. And because if you are here to learn, to love, to grow, to heal, it's going to be part of that journey for your specific uh, mm-hmm. individuality. Does it bother you? Uh, and I would say it bothers me, but maybe I'm asking you if it bothers <laughs> you. If when we're talking about love and yes. the do- desire to learn what life's about, the desire to learn how to love and forgiveness and these 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 magnificent higher life journeys that we, we we're trying to press into higher spirituality. Does it bother you when you see, say, a, a mass or a group of people that's completely the opposite of that? I mean, you know, you know, that's out there and, let's, and I'm not going to say a specific group or any group. I'll just say that I know that groups exist that foment hate and uh right and so we this just position or this this polarization this yin and yang is are these forces fighting it out somewhere toward the middle you know the outer reaches of love and the outer reaches of hate and then we're kind of in the middle over here trying to figure out, hey what's love and love is, it could be this is that and the bible says this about love and this over here says how can we hurt these people because i really hate what they're doing and you know like the sinner but then you got is is there when you talk about the circle Hate and circle of love are these were they combined so to speak or maybe an overlap? Uh, is is that where the battle is to move one way or another? Well, I think there is. A, we obviously know there's a lot of contrast and there's a lot of separation and lack of love. Certainly, in, in especially today, a lot of strife, and that's why the soul connecting with the soul, where we started, and 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 the loving power of your soul book is, if you're coming from that place, then you do stand up for yourself. You do shine a light on things. Uh, it doesn't mean you. Uh, 
uh, accept or give uh, credence or further hate. And some of it's a little subjective, so you have to be in the moment. People are mm -hmm. coming from different places mm -hmm. and different parts in their journey. Well, but I think it's more shining the light of your own love from your own wisdom of your soul mm -hmm. uh, onto the situation wherever you are in life, which sometimes is standing up to hate and division and war and, and conflict, of course. Mm -hmm. So, so my, to my question, does it bother you that these groups are like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like uh, I'm, I'm immune. I'm, I, I have feelings, you know, and that, that triggers feelings in me. And do you ever think some, that, of, like some saying, of that's useful? Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking, do you see, is love going to win out? Before, well, some, before somebody that, before somebody hits the you know, sometimes button. it seems like it will I mean if we I mean we do have the we do have free will to destroy the planet I mean yeah. that's obviously a real viable possibility because of free will it it's still on our journey to wholeness we'll, we'll go on elsewhere in other realms mm -hmm. um, but because there's free will we have the choice of doing things that are very destructive mm -hmm. uh, and it is a world of contrast to learn what love is by what is not love mm. Um, Viveka, welcome to this chat. I see you just logged in. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the idea that the luminaries represent human consciousness? What well, I don't know what what are the luminaries. I'm not sure what the reference is to. Well, in this conspiratorial show here, <laughs> okay. that might maybe, mean the maybe I'm not caught up on the latest conspiracy theories. That could mean the Illuminati. <laughs> and by the way, you know Illuminati. Isn't that one of the words you can spell backwards? Pretty freaky. What? It can spell it forward it, or backwards. Yeah, I think. I think. It, so, anyways, Illuminati, Illuminati, they're out there. Okay, we'll just move on from there. Uh, but I do have a question. This is this is this is going deep. This is going real deep. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm. I'm okay, listening. all right. I'm here waiting, it is. Here I'm it is. For where I don't know where we're going, but I'm open. Okay, you go. You're going where no guest has gone before. They say that chicken soup is good for the soul. I kind of think that it is. Is that true? <laughs> chicken soup is good for the soul. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there some ingredient in chicken soup that? Because I know when I eat chicken soup, I feel really good. I feel like I <laughs> we feel really like, shifted uh, on that one from conspiracy to chicken soup for the soul. Unless there's something esoteric, maybe there is yeah, okay. in that. Yeah. Well, well certainly not, healthy food makes you feel good, and there's a lot of healthy nutrients in chicken soup. Okay. I mean, yeah. But, but but spiritually though you you're you're not making a connection between chicken soup and the, the improvement of the soul. Well, I, I think happen. it is. To me, it's. To, I mean, I don't know if there's an esoteric meaning, but to me, it's more metaphoric, and it's also a mm -hmm. sense of love. I grew up like in a Jewish background, so mm -hmm. like chicken soup was sort of like your mother loving you and feeding you and nurturing you, and it is a healthy food. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, we have a segment of this program called the Bear Report that comes on before this interview section and then uh, on the bear report uh bear uh we call him up and he gives us good news of the week and so we just have a segment and all he does is gives us good stories and so it's very refreshing that's nice and t tonight he was saying that one of the things that that really i would say is good for the soul he didn't say that but what's good for soul is remembering childhood books and he posed the question what was the childhood book that you really loved, you know, as a, as a child, and one was Bearstein Bears, and there was some others that I saw, Winnie the Pooh, I saw. But and I'm, just, I'm only saying that because it seems like those are good for the soul. Because even thinking about that, or maybe an, a candy bar that used to have, you know, or a show, it brings some kind of warmth, some kind of transition, organic, as it seems, you know, a warmth of of nostalgia 
that washes away a lot of the crap that we all deal with. Chicken soup seems like it washes away a lot of the crap. But we're talking about, of course, we're talking about your book. Now, can we say that your book is like one of our younger days of enjoying a book or a candy bar or a well, chicken soup? Well, I, I would say, you know, something from the past, if it evokes a higher state, a state of love, acceptance, enjoyment, and it could be the innocence and beauty of childhood, you know, with something you remember that you just, you know, loved eating mm -hmm. that put you in a peaceful, blissful state. Now, if it's putting it in now, mm -hmm. then it would be good. Mm -hmm. If it's just kind of remembering a memory as almost an avoidance thing, that might be interesting. But I wouldn't say that's being present to your soul now because you'd mm -hmm. be in this sense of being present, which, and I think maybe, Daniel, we maybe we should do some kind of experiential that, for people to understand maybe experientially what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned about crisis or pain causes development of the soul, healing um, kind of awakens it. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that most people in the live chat, I'm in fact, I may even pose this question because I like, to, I really like to involve people watching the program. Uh, sure. We know that through our daily lives, interactions, relationships, that our soul gets damaged. Maybe even watching a slasher movie, I feel like if you know if it's graphic enough, you feel like your soul's been damaged. How can we? So the question I have for the people watching the program: Do you feel at some point in your life has your soul been damaged? Okay, so that question I'm going to pose to them: Just a quick yes or no. Has your soul been damaged in your life? So we'll wait for people to respond to that. And then for you, uh, then, uh, can this damage be reversed? I, I think that's a really good question, Daniel. Um, so there are challenges, and, and as some of them, like I'll just tell an experience that might be illustrative of this. When I went to film school at UCLA, I was thinking of being a film director, a writer in my early 20s, and uh, we did student mm -hmm. films that we uh, put in front of our, our fellow students and kind of aired them, screened them. And the second film I did uh, was terrible. It was a horrible flop. You know, I didn't really realize I was very young and naive. I thought it would be well received until I kind of saw it in front of everyone and realized, you know, have you ever seen sort of yourself in front of other people and you were disillusioned and kind of seeing you're not who you thought you were in, in a negative way, like kind of let you kind of deflating yourself? And that's what it was for me, and that kind of set me in a in a tailspin. But it was really kind of crushing uh, a lot of my ego in this case, rather than my soul, and it, and it really set me into a, a deeper direction. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes, like our best laid plans are destroyed, but it could be a spark for going further and enduring and, and reaching more like the, the, the uh, patience of Job, say, mm -hmm. uh, of keeping going deeper and deeper. But yes, you know, our spirit can get crushed if we let it, if we just give up. I mean, you could give up, just be depressed for the rest of your life, commit suicide, have a disease and call it quits, you know, and you only got so far. Mm -hmm. Or you can use that, transform that, love that, learn from that and go further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like oh, Victor right. Frankl in, in, in the concentration camps, you know, how did you, you know, get through the just unbearable, unbelievable torture and, and suffering? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I see that the question was turned to me, has my soul been damaged? Yes, I would say my soul has been damaged several times. I will admit several times in my life it has been severely damaged. However, it seems that 
I think there's a Bible term that says where sin abound, grace does much more abound. It seems that the damage that had been inflicted on me, um, somehow, maybe through God's grace, I haven't internalized it to where that damage remains. But I can, I will confess, as you certainly my soul be damned several times. I'm probably a lot over over time. I mean, I've I've fed plans against me and this and that and being ripped off and you know these damage the soul when you want your mind wants to put up a defense and strike back and uh, so I, over time I've tried to not respond the same way that I would have in the past so yes the answer to that to to uh, Jade your question is yes uh, Mickey V says yes and uh, so if uh, Dolly says no uh, and I think it's a, I, I, I guess there's people out there who's never been damaged at all. Now, doctor, have you or your wife been damaged in your soul? Well, I think to, to, to answer your question, part of it is just understanding what it might mean to be damaged in your soul. I'm thinking that most people, maybe almost all people, Daniel, have uh, traumatic things that happen to them when they're young, often maybe as an infant or especially the first few years of life when they're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And you could say that is a damage to the soul and it could be a repeat of a pattern and it, and you could have a trauma that you're holding in yourself and it could repeat itself when those things that happen again mm -hmm. are often repeat patterns. And that takes us where we started in our discussion that the soul came here to learn and heal and grow so if you have a situation where people abuse you and they keep abusing you, I mean, you would like to learn how to deal with the abusive situations, right? Mm -hmm. From a deeper, profound place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have free will whether to do it or not, but that would be the choice of learning and growing and healing mm -hmm. from, from those traumatic experiences, which almost everyone has. Okay. Speaking of growing and healing, Bear from the live chat says, Dr. Ken, can the soul expand and grow, or is it a, is it a permanent thing? That's a good question. I believe it can. I believe there's a stages of, of spiritual development. So it starts off where, uh, and you know, there's terms of younger and older souls. Well, it starts off in this lifetime where at a certain point you start to awaken, like I was saying in my journey, and we help people in our, in our trainings do this. So you start to see that you, you there's more than being part of a group, you know, whatever the group is, like the organization I was in or whatever. Uh, and then you start to look at your own for your own path and you might try different things, different uh, studies, different religions, different people, uh, different practices. And at a certain point, you start to do the healing, the deeper mm -hmm. healing. Mm -hmm. now, a lot of people have to do healing just to function. But I'm talking about a deeper sort of inner wounds of ch childhood, things where you feel lonely, you feel like a failure, you feel shameful, which you're carrying with you. And at a certain point, Daniel, it becomes intolerable to, to sweep it under the rug. Mm. Mm. And then that's where you look for someone to help you, the healing techniques like the EFT tapping and the spiritual kinesiology, some kind of healing to learn how to reparent, to love yourself, to get the lesson. You know, what did you learn from that? So if you know if if nothing ever bad happened to me, if life was smooth and easy, how would I how could I be here and and help other people and and teach anything or share anything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. in, same in, with you. Right. In the sports realm, there's a maxim they use, and I think it's kind of universal. It says uh, fear is just pain leaving the body. Mm -hmm. uh, but it but spinning from that, it does seem that we're 
be, beings of habit and uh, whatever habits we have tend not to change unless some dramatic event happens as if some kind of crisis or pain. And why, why is that? Is, is there a way to learn without the pain and the crisis? Well, it, it's kind of like heading off the life review, which uh, the way it goes, you see that after you die, where you check your whole life out in a flash. You can. Kind of, my feeling is, why not just kind of do it right now or ahead of time? Learn how to keep kind of things in checks and balance. Mm. The answer is absolutely yes. It's true that many people wait wait till the midlife transition, or sometimes called a crisis, between maybe thirty and fifty thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, but you can be more proactive in it. And at a certain, you need a certain amount of life experience probably to, to want to face your shadows, the, those hurts and traumas. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely don't have to wait until things pile up and you have to you know, change or mm -hmm. uh, just avoid change and mm -hmm. just, just keep avoiding it. Mm -hmm. But yes, you can well, proactively address it. There's another maxim that I like, and it's one of the reasons I have this show, and it goes like this. It says, uh, it's good to learn from your experiences but it's better to learn from somebody else's experiences. And it just, it, but it does seem that no matter what we see somebody else go through and they write about it, that somehow we still end up making the same mistakes. And we, we even though we have seen an answer or, or yeah, I guess a positive outcome, it does never seem to apply to, to, to well, I will speak for myself or myself. But so what do you think about that? Well, your soul has a plan, and part of that is healing and learning certain things for you, me, and everyone watching this, and I think everyone on the planet, billions of people. So there, yes, it's wonderful to learn from other people. I try to do it all the time, and it might save you some shortcuts and give you a lot of wisdom, but ultimately, you came here to learn certain things. So those traumas, they didn't happen by accident. Uh, so they're teaching you something to learn and master. Uh, so you're here specifically to learn those things and mm -hmm. all the resources and whatever you can do to help yourself, that's great, but there's no substitute for it. There's no shortcut. There's no bypassing it. Mm. So it sounds like we're going to have to, we're going to have to go through something. Interesting. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned the life review. I mean, I just saw a really interesting uh, near death experience and I, you know, and that's a measurement too is near death that means your heart's not pumping or your brain's dead or, or why people right. have different things but anyway so near-death experience and the, the guy was in a tree stand he was hunting and he fell down 20 feet on some boulders and rocks and then he started he's broken bones bleeding internally and then he floated up and then he went through a tunnel the classic tunnel and then he went to a, a city with had these sort of glass doors and uh he went through and then at some point there's that life review and he saw and they and i heard a lot of near-death experience people we've had a lot of them on this show say you know you see your life in a flash i guess there's no time when you're in a near-death experience that's that's one of the typical things but he, he saw the people he hurt and and the decisions that he made how they affected people's lives and uh, and i noticed what you said or a few minutes ago that you try to keep up on that and I, the best thing to do is, is 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 if you know that what you say and how you act and what you do can damage somebody that's so so, so 
it scares the crap out of me, the power that we have to do that to somebody. Even if we don't like them, we don't want to do that. Kind of reminds me of Scrooge and when when the, the ghost of three Christmases, and it says <laughs> he had this, this chain and ball, and it said, what are, the, what are the links? He said, those links are the damage that you did. Link by link, you forged in life. This is what you did to people. I don't, doc, Dr. Uh, Philip, I don't want, Dr. Phil, I don't want that. I'm trying to cut those links out, man. I, I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, you do the best you can, but you can't be perfect. We're here to learn and grow. And it it seems like an overwhelming impossibility. But the idea, of course, Daniel and everyone we know is not to be perfect. You can't be perfect. That's a problem in itself. It's just, again, to learn to lo love and uh, yourself and other people. Be kind. Be creative. Find out, you know, your gifts and what you have to help the universe. Because when you're helping people with your gifts, the things you're good at, I'm good at writing and mm -hmm. speaking and training and teaching. If you do those things, you're sort of in your element and you're going to be in a more loving place. If, if, if you don't get carried away and mm -hmm. some of the mm -hmm. sort of egoistic parts don't take over and that's something to be monitoring, of course. Okay, so your, your book talks about life as as an adventure. How, mm -hmm. how, can, how can we approach life? as an amazing adventure. I always tell people uh, that watch this show that there are kind of like two roads you can go, even even if you're, uh, say, at, at, in, in a Walmart, that you're still in a life zone, and you can look at it like, well, this is a crappy place, or what does life have for me? So how, how do you, how can you, what do you suggest for people to turn their life into the doldrums and to make an every moment, because you talk about we, that the moment is right now, even, for people mm -hmm. to make this into a magical moment, an amazing adventure. Right. So that's a wonderful way to look at your life. Uh, I, I think you, you would agree there. And this has to do with taking charge of your life, what you can control and what you can't. There is that, uh, the, the serenity prayer. So if you take charge of your life, I, I'll share a story here in a moment. Uh, you're not trying to control things. You're not trying to be a pleaser and, and please others. You're, what is it that you can do? How can you respond in a loving, creative way in each moment? How can you express your gifts to help yourself and the world? Uh, let me share a story. There was a lady who took uh, our, we have a holistic coaching and healing program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we it's now online Zoom, but years ago, we've been doing it for years. Uh, it was in our home office and the lady came and she was kind of looking at things and hoping maybe, you know, maybe this could be something I could do. I'm really interested. And she was, her circumstances, Daniel, she had a, she called a difficult marriage. Uh, she wasn't, she left her career. She really didn't know what to do with herself, but she was interested in coaching and healing. And she was just hoping that this was it. And she started studying the, the coaching and healing uh, from us. And she eventually got uh, certificated from us and went on further and became a mental health counselor and found a new relationship that was very positive for her. Uh, so if you fo open your heart, follow your heart, that's that's not there in society. You don't hear you don't hear CNN talking about people being heart centered and having an open heart. But that's where we're ultimately going. And that's you know, the soul is the seat of the heart. The heart is the seat of the soul. We know that uh, we've heard that we can feel that. So that's taking charge of your life, taking command, being intentional, being creative, being loving. Mm -hmm. All right, let's check in on the poll question for tonight. What is the soul? And the of the respondents, the results are 50% said that the soul is the immaterial essence of a human, and 50% uh, says the immortal part of the body. 
And that's a question I've posed to a lot of guests when, when the soul or even the consciousness comes up, and that is, where exactly is it located? Right. I was thinking about that today because I knew you were coming on. I was thinking, how can I frame that question? You know, there's software out there. It, sometimes it's used in, in sports, maybe in racing, but a little icon pops up and say the car is moving, and that little icon tells who the driver is, will go exactly with that car racing around or the guy shooting the basketball you know it, it follows him around it's not in him it's there almost you know whatever that software does to me it almost seems like that's kind of like the soul it's not in the body but it's like always there where do you think it is well uh, we might say our body is in our soul you know our so the soul is connected to god oneness everything and that and it manifested us in our lifetime. We are one part of our soul. Our soul is much vaster, more incomprehensible, and goes on from life to life. So we express that, and it's non-local is sometimes the term. So it's not in one place, but it our body, our intelligences that we use, our physical intelligence, our mental, emotional intelligence, the soul uses all of that. It's a consciousness that's not matter it's not material but, but it uses all of that as as material that it can use hmm. okay let's get to another question this is from uh viveka amato is it our soul that has dreams if so why are some dreams totally crazy <laughs> well uh why is our you know why do we do crazy things you know i guess it depends how you're crazy so a lot of things in dreams are just fragments of things uh, so they may be just messages to us or mm -hmm. just things coming off of us or, or just releasing things uh, like sounds or, or just waving or shaking mm -hmm. our body to mm -hmm. the release chaotic energy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things mm -hmm. are just releasing through, mm -hmm. through dreams. Well, but it, I, it's, it, we can we can be uh, we have a dream body. We have a body here. We have a conscious body here. But it's interesting. The soul goes through all of that and beyond and carries through. Where, where's where's dream located? Well, the dream, I, it's not a physical place. You know, where where are you located now? I mean, you're in physical reality, yeah. but where is that, you know, in the big scheme of things? Okay, so so it, it, would you say, as, as sort of others, in the, non, in the scientific realm, they would say that the dreams exist on the synops. They're in little, little, little areas of the brain just hanging around in there. Do you concur oh, you with mean that? Which part of the brain activity is related to a dream? Is that what you're, you're saying there? No, where is it located? Is, do, you, do you agree with scientists that, say that the dreams are in those little synopses in the, oh, the brain. dreams are no i don't think the dreams are in our physical body they're 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 reflected just like consciousness they have meditators uh, uh they track meditators when they're in these higher states of consciousness yeah that's, that's what i'm saying okay and, and and the brain reflects certain things but that doesn't mean the soul is in the brain mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. you're, you're <clears throat> meditating you know so i had it i know we're not doing dream interpretation tonight but I had a dream that's still with me. It was a lucid dream. I was being chased by killers, and uh -huh. uh, and uh, I would go into a house, and there'd be people in there. I said there's uh -huh. a killer coming, and I go go out of that house, go across the yard. I go into another house. I said there's a killer coming. I run, and uh -huh. then and so I, I I didn't understand, you know, how's that a, a fragmentary I imaging of something because obviously killers are not after me. Yeah. Uh, but the brain, well, the yeah, brain told me yeah. that anyway. Yeah, dream interpretation. Usually, you know, for me, it's it's energies. It's what it reminds you of what the feeling is connected with. It can be releasing things. 
It can be alerting you to things that you're concerned about, not not maybe physical killers, but energies that mm-hmm. relate to that or things in your life that are associated with it mm. without well, going into dream interpretation. But that's just a quick okay, okay. consideration. Uh, can, can you explain the difference between the mind and the soul? Uh, well, uh, the mind, I, I look at the mind as, as an aspect, the larger mind of the soul. So the mind is something beyond the brain. Uh, the mind uh, is what the soul comes through, like your higher mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, anytime I talk about the higher mind, I always reminds, reminds me of the hive mind. I'm a beekeeper, yeah. and I can tell you that in the in a beehive, every one of those bees is thinking the exact same thing. It's kind of like the Borg. And uh, so, <laughs> um, when you talk about a, a holistic model, because I think is in in the cover of your book, or at least one of the things we've seen. What what is how does what does holistic mean? Holistic is the parts are related to the whole, and then the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Uh, synergy there. So, uh, part of life we just automatically um, develop without much consciousness, and maybe we have our talents and gifts that we came into life with. In other words, your your mental intelligence grows as a child. Just a lot of it's automatically, although there can be gaps. And, you, and your emotional intelligence develops more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your uh, physical intelligence, all of that develops. And as you start to awaken, you can use all those uh, abilities uh, consciously to help yourself heal and love and grow. Mm-hmm. How, how does healing of the soul, or you mentioned the title of the book, The Loving Power of, of the Soul, how does that help us to achieve our goals? Well, generally, there are blocks to uh, what we want to achieve or accomplish. In other words, there's fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lady I was helping with. Uh, we have a, something called spiritual kinesiology we write about in our Loving Power of Your Soul. It's when you connect with the soul, which we still haven't done that experience yet. might be nice to do it, although you can be present and very soulful in this moment. But just to have maybe a direct experience would be good. So you connect more Are you suggesting doing something right now? Yeah, why, why don't we do something right now just to, so then I can reference it. You know, sure, let's maybe. go ahead. That, that might be a more direct way. You know, that might be a good foundation to for the what's going to follow here. Okay. Um, so I, th- I, th- I think uh, there's a couple ways we do it. Maybe, well, let's – I think really the soul centering might be the best is probably mm. – Okay, so if you breathe into your heart, and this is a little bit of relaxation, if people can breathe and close their eyes and relax if they're in a place where they can comfortably do that. Okay. So you breathe and you relax your whole body, kind of letting your mind go. It might be kind of a drifting, and you're breathing in uh, pure energy into your heart and letting go of things that you no longer need, maybe extra thoughts or extra things you picked up. Mm -hmm. You breathe in, kind of reclaiming yourself into your heart, just kind of breathing in yourself into your heart lovingly, and you exhale. And as you breathe in a little more through your nose and exhale, you become more relaxed through your whole body. And as you breathe in that wonderful, calm, clear energy into your heart, you can sense your soul. You can just allow that quietly to present itself. And some people get a sense of it. 
a greater knowingness, maybe an image, a sound, a feeling, a knowingness. And it usually comes with a sense of expansion, relaxation, acceptance. And as you connect more with that, you can even get a message sometimes from that kind of more peaceful, knowing, expansive place. Even ask a question and allow it to come to you now or later. And as you feel a little more connected to your open heart, soulfully connected, you imagine an opening above your head where you can connect with everything in the whole universe. Just imagine everything connecting with you now. It always is, but now you're more consciously aware of it in this moment. And as you feel that connectedness and that expansion, you can allow it to bring down the perfect energy for you, whatever you need, more love, wisdom, peace, healing. Just kind of bring it into you in whatever way it is and just allow it to be whatever it is. Knowing that you can connect with this energy whenever you wish. And I'll just in a moment count to five and that'll be a sense of coming back and you can return using this experience, this connection with your heart and soul and the universe where, however you want and let go of anything you don't want knowing you can return Come back here refreshed. One, two, three, four, five. Opening your eyes back. Grounded here. A little more present. A little more alive. And that was it. That was a one way we do the soul centering. Hmm. Well, I feel pretty centered right there. It was very calming. It's it it kind of like drinking some... Uh... <laughs> Chicken soup. No, that way it was calming. So you can, it, you can actually calm your, you know, the best way calming I got is to not watch the news. That's when I start to calm. Right. The calming comes there, but uh, it, it does, it does seem that you can manipulate your anxiety. And, you know, somebody once said, doctor, that life is 90% of what you think about the 10% that happened to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that Mark Twain quote, you know, like uh, I was plagued, you know, by uh, my negative imagination, you know, my whole life uh, imagining about things that almost almost none of them ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, like some that people one. say, you know, just a couple percent of your imagination even comes remotely true. So we're imagining all these things. And to tell you a story, uh, Daniel, uh, just using that soul centering that we just did mm -hmm. so I a lady came uh, to me for help and she was hurt from her friend uh, who she got in a business with who betrayed her and embezzled the funds from the business mm -hmm. now this is a lady who had meditated daily for seven years you know and meditation has a value and mindfulness is can be part of soulfulness too although there can be differences too uh, so I'm wondering if I can help her so I did the uh, bringing in the soul and it's something we call spiritual kinesiology it's just doing a little bit of focusing with the hurt the block mm -hmm. which in her case was this rejection this hurt from her friend 
And after a few minutes, bringing in the soul's energy, I just asked Maria Elena, how are you feeling? She goes, I'm fine now. Well, what about the friend? She goes, no, I'm, I'm good. And she could just forgive her on the spot. Hmm. Now, why is that? Uh, you can't forgive things that you're not ready to forgive. You may know you should forgive. I mean, I'm sure she knew for seven years. She, I mean, probably part of her knew that it would be a good idea to forgive her friend and not ruminate. And, but she didn't. Because once she got to a soulful place, she was able to let it go and move forward mm -hmm. and heal herself at a deep level. Mm -hmm. How is it that can we live more in the soul or the spirit than we do, say, carnally in, in, in our thinking and our mind? Is there a way to, to live more in the better aspects of it? Well, I, I think maybe to rephrase the question just a little bit, Daniel, is uh, if we are more present, our soul is being in the world but not of the world, we are living more aware. I am more aware of my speaking. I am more aware of you. I'm more aware of this situation. I'm not aware of everything and everyone, but I'm here doing the best I can, living more fully now and what makes the most sense and responding more intentionally. Mm -hmm. What else can people learn from this book that you wrote? Well, there's three parts. The first part is the uh, uh, pr preparation, which is understanding those different intelligences, physical, mental, emotional intelligences, and what they are. We go a little more, more into details what each one is, like the, some of the meanings of the emotions that you're experiencing, what it might suggest to you, and how to use it and, and connect with it maybe more soulfully, and what meditation is and how you can use that and also how it could limit you if you use it as escapism or you don't hear the messages from the soul. Um, so there's the preparation. Then there's the six different ways of connecting with the soul. And we did that one soul centering a few minutes ago. And if you use that as a meditation, then it becomes more easy to do it automatically mm -hmm. and your awareness and energy and consciousness lifts. It doesn't mean you're not thrown off and have setbacks and challenges. I don't mean things are perfect and without disruptions or challenges, yes, but there's more of you to, to handle it and deal with it, more presence. Mm. And then the third part is uh, using different healing, uh, energy healings like the spiritual kinesiology that I mentioned, the lady healing from her soul, uh, using that mm -hmm. for to heal the wounds from her hurt relationships, the betrayal from her friend. Mm. Well, who hasn't been betrayed? <laughs> That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I got, I'm, I'm going to challenge somebody because we didn't get a lot of respondents on that in their first hour. People, have they ever had their soul damaged? People didn't want to say anything, but yeah, I think maybe embarrassing to them. I can't, I don't think you can live on this earth without that happening because there's so many. Yeah, and it's difficult. It's very tender and vulnerable, and it takes, a, and it takes being ready for it and the right person and setting and support to deal, deal with it, especially today because, I mean, it's not. Well, isn't that like a in in a stepology type of sense, uh, a, a admission that at some point you have been damaged, and that is that first step for healing? It, it is, but you need someone who's going to support you and and listen to you and not uh, you know shame you or just right. say things. I mean, you can't right. just, imagine if I just said to the lady, "Hey, come on, get over it." You know, you you know you shouldn't really hold a grudge against the lady who betrayed you. You know, mm -hmm. I said maybe even things that were the right things. That's not going to work. And if she wasn't ready to, to come to me and be open to deal with it and heal it, that wouldn't work either. So it is an organic uh, journey for each of us. Mm. So you say messages from the soul. What uh, What's the last message you got from your soul? 
the last match. A lot of times messages are real simple, Daniel. They're just simple. We usually think it could be a very elaborate thing. Uh, and it could be uh, just simple things like it's okay or relax. Uh, you know, I, I could go in and just see, you know, just try to get a feeling. Of, if, if Part of it is you could get a general message, but often there's messages addressed to a particular situation. Mm-hmm. I, I had a message clear as day given to me one time in my life experience, Dr. Phil. Uh, I was working for a company and um, uh, every six months I had to go up these stairs to the office and I would be evaluated and then the manager would do my evaluation and he would type on a calculator, okay, you're this proficient and this and that. And then he slide it across the thing and say, here's your, here's your raise or not raise. So I always had this anxiety going up those stairs at these intervals, you know, because I didn't like the guy. I don't think he liked me either. And so it's like, okay, well, I have to suck up this guy, you know, whatever. I saw, but this particular time, I'm walking up the steps, and I heard a message clear as day tell me, I could have been audible. I don't know. It says, the person behind the desk is not in charge of your raise. I am. Right. And I looked around, and I couldn't believe I heard that. I'm thinking, well, who did that? Who said that? Was I, was I talking to myself? But when I heard that, all my anxiety that I had every single time before just melted to nothing. And I had right. this total assurance, confidence, and peace. Right. I went up there, there and I sat down. And that time, instead of typing on the calculator, he slid the calculator across the desk and said, tell me what you want. So all my anxiety got me nothing, but when my anxiety went away, I mean, I heard a voice clear as day, and that's and he yeah, slid that calculator across that, the that's desk. That's a great illustration. I love that story. Now, uh, one time, one of the messages that came to us about, and you know, we were wondering about what would happen with the project, and and the message was, "You'll be surprised and delighted." So we use that, and some of these become kind of mantras. Now, let me share another one, which I think you and the listeners will really enjoy. One of the downloads, one of our healing uh, approaches is a simple phrase that kind of came to us years ago. And here's how it goes. It's real simple. It goes this way. It says, anything is possible, but miracles are happening now. Anything is possible, but miracles are happening now. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Reflect on that for a moment. Okay, think of a challenging situation you 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 have. Do you, can you think of something challenging? Uh, myself. Yourself that's, or anything that you that, might consider that's, that's, challenging. That's it could be okay. you or just something. Okay, you consider well, cha- well, I'm having a challenge right now. Number seven beehive is underpopulated. <laughs> and the, the the what is underpopulated? One of my beehives is underpopulated. Oh yeah, yeah. So and I'm very. I have a lot of consternation and a, and almost a little fear there. It's like they're not going to make it. And oh so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Does that qualify? And that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, that's it could be anything. OK, well, that's one, that's one for me. So, right so now. 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 So say that and then we'll do a little one of it. So say anything is possible, even though I have this concern about my bee, beehive, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say anything, even though I have this concern, about, even though part of me has a concern about my beehive, anything is possible and miracles are happening now. OK, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, um, even though I have this concern of the, my beehive number seven. Uh, yes. Miracles are happening right now. And anything is possible. And anything's possible. 
Okay. So we're going to add one more element to it. I'm doing like kind of building a healing uh, thing with you. Okay. So uh, we're going to tap the side of our hand. This is a this is a healing point. Uh, even though I part of me has a concern about my beehive I got, on I got the heel of our hand. Okay. Uh, anything is possible. Miracles are happening now. So you say that. Uh, say it while anything, you're tapping. Anything is possible. Yeah. Even though I have this concern, the edge of your hand, the side of your oh, hand. Oh, okay. Got, got, okay. The edge. Yeah. Karate chop. Wow. Okay. Got it. We're doing it. We're on it. Okay. Even though part of me has a concern about my beehive, yeah, say that. Even though part of me has a concern, probably this part right here, getting hit. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> uh, anything is possible. Uh, anything's possible. You hear, you hear that hand? We'll keep beating on you till you understand. <laughs> yeah, and miracles are happening now. Miracles are happening, Doc. Okay, now we're going to do one more part. This is tapping across the top of your head. I know you have a hat. I don't know if you it can stays. do it with your The hat won't come off. Yep. Well, well, you can still do it, you know, so you're doing the like your left and right brain, like <laughs> okay. across your whole ow, head. Ow, ow, ow. Just okay. your, your whole head there, Dan. Oh, yeah, okay. Whole head? Yeah, there you okay. go. Okay, I want people so, in the audience, if I got to do this, they got to do this too. So I hope everybody's doing this at home. Yeah, it's, it looks strange, I know, but it's, it's right. balancing Good boy. Energies. Good boy. You're balancing your left and right brain. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And miracles are happening now. And miracles are happening right now. I hit myself on the and head. And the listeners can do it on something they have a challenge on. Anything right, is possible. Right. And now one more, last part. Tap okay. across the heart. Okay. Because we're going to integrate in the heart, right? Because the heart okay. is important. Okay. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And miracles are happening now. Miracles are happening. Right. And take a deep breath through the nose and exhale. Okay. I feel like I feel like there's a queen in my hive now, and it's going to be repopulating. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. You'll have to uh, email me later how that goes. Or, I will. And tell me how it turns out. Yeah. So that's a possibility of shifting things coming to you. And whatever it is, the the idea is it makes it allows people to be more resourceful. It opens people up because, let's face it, if you don't think much is possible, which when you're anxious and worried you don't, mm -hmm. you're very tunnel vision mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you open up possibilities even if it's extremely challenging more things can come in more light can come in mm. more and and now that that seems to be a trained reaction that the humans have dr phil and that is when something happens we almost expect we we literally say the negative oh this is going to yeah. happen you know this can't happen or that can't we, we it's like a default and i really hate that i hate that about myself i sometimes yeah. default to this negative i don't like that yeah, yeah, and and I'm, I understand what you're saying, and part of it is necessary just to, so we stay alive growing up as a kid. You know, we had to learn a lot of negatives or we wouldn't have survived. You know, we would have mm -hmm. just fallen and hurt ourselves or probably damaged, even killed ourselves. So part of it we need as a pres preserving ourselves and protecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, the awakening part that we've been talking about, the loving, healing, creative part, puts mm -hmm. you in with your anything is possible, miracles are happening now uh, aspects, non-local consciousness. So that opens up. So yes, I am going to be practical. I'm not going to cross the street with my eyes closed and say anything is possible. Mm -hmm. miracle. No, of course not. Mm -hmm. You're going to be aware of certain things, but you're going to be aware of it in a more loving, creative, even more resourceful way, more intelligent way. And if you have to be more security minded, you'll do that from a better place as well. Not a fearful place, not a shutdown place, uh, but a place that makes the most sense for you now in this moment. Okay, people in the live chat, how many of you were doing the chop when I was doing it? If I, <laughs> if I did it 
on camera, then you're going to be doing it at home. Uh, here's, a, <laughs> here's, here's a great question uh, from Bear. It says, Doctor, is there really such a thing as a soulmate? Uh, well, it sounds like what the question that I, I, the person might be suggesting that, you know, is there one right person for me? You know, maybe that's what we're, you know, does that yeah. sound like what the question is about? Well, I, I would say that that would, you know, yeah. a soulmate. I mean, that seems to I mean, everybody yeah. understands what a soulmate is. Soulmate is like somebody who is, is just your yin and yang. It's, it's, it fits everything together and you could just, uh-huh. something you, you know. Hey, I, hey, by the way, people, Mickey V did it in the live chat. Cat yes. did it. Several people were doing that. Any any com- any responses? Did we get any? Uh, uh, I'm glad people did it. Did they notice anything about uh, their situation? I don't know if they reflected and you know if they were doing it on some issue, but that would be interesting if we get mm-hmm. any. But let me go back to the soulmate. Yeah. So you came in with the soul plan, and that may that includes relationships, and that may include one or more people who you're related to on a deep level, uh, and. Since there's free will and a lot of things could happen, you may or may not connect with this one or more people that you have a deep relationship with. Hmm. By the way, uh, join in the live chat. Scotty Southern Boy, Joyce Platts, and Kat Sorelli all in the live chat. All right, got another question for you. It says, uh, for this from Max, says, how can we escape from the body cage to give it to the spirit? Well, I don't think we're meant to escape it while we're here. Otherwise, we would be uh, uh, insensitive to our body and our body's need. The idea is to love your body, to use the intelligences, to use your body, uh, to use your breathing, to use your body functions, to use all the abilities your body has to help yourself and other people and to live fully. Because if you're not in sort of a healthy place, and some people aren't, but if you aren't in as functional a place as you can be, a lot of times it's hard to live your purpose and do your best, most creative work. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had something genetically or some huge physical thing that you came on this lifetime to deal with, that that is what you took on for particular reasons. Mm. See, I remember a scripture says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered, which kind of tells me that Mm-hmm. We suffer sometimes so that we can learn how to be a better person, a better soul on this earth. So, I, like I said, we've said in the first hour, I'd like to bypass some of those those pains that we have to go through. But it seems seems that it's a it it's given to us in little doses along our path. Sometimes we get a major one, but a lot of times they're just little things. I think wouldn't, wouldn't those have the same effect as a traumatic experience the totality of the smaller things little when you say little things that do what like little well what it causes pain to? it causes this force a oh, little force, pain yeah they could be growth. little awakenings you know yeah, little, for, forced awakening so you, yeah. the idea is you hear the whispers so you don't have to hear the shouts <laughs> right now, i like that yeah. yeah so so the the pains are from the traumas which can be from birth or pre-birth or past lives and they can be aggravated and repeated throughout life. And that's what the pain and the suffering is because we keep going through the same problems, you know, like the same kind of people, the same kind of insults, mm-hmm. the same kinds of rejections, the same kinds of doubts, etc., the same failures until we learn the lesson, you know, and mm-hmm. until we heal and love ourselves. That's why they keep repeating because we haven't learned the lesson. We haven't woken up. We haven't addressed them yet. Mm-hmm. So we can learn lessons and grow, or we could have been created as robots with no free will. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. in, I think in the end, 
You know, I think there's a scripture that says something about the angels marvel that we willingly look for God where they or obey God where they don't have a choice. And so they marvel that humans do have the choice. And some of us yeah. do choose for that higher level of, of, of being awake and alive. Right. You can invite in angels to support you in, in your love journey, too. So that make life a little easier. And uh, now I remember we had one guest on the show. They were asked that question about the soulmate. And I think their answer was you can have two or three or who, who knows how many soulmates. I don't know about that. But but here's a question from our moderator. It says, Dr. Do you, from Jade, do you believe you can somewhat gaze into someone's soul? Uh I'm not. I th I think one has a certain sense or knowingness of people, and when people are uh, sometimes there's just relationships that are from other times where you just sort of know someone right away, and you have this affinity to people. And some people I think are more aware of of people sort of telepathically than others, sort of a paranormal ability. So that could be something that could be developed more. Mm -hmm. And we can you can kind of tell when a person is coming from a more soulful place because they're coming from a more loving, creative. Uh, altruistic place. Um, sort of the, going on with that question of gazing into someone's soul, there, it seems that sometimes we come across people that appear or we sense they have a dark soul. Can you speak to that and what that is? Uh, well, I think you can sometimes feel if people are troubled or anxious or depressed uh, or, or controlling. I mean, I think you can pick up energies from people. Most people can do that to a degree more or less. And then what they say in their behavior is, is good indicators of it too. What about the euphemism that the eyes are the window to the soul? This kind of goes along with this question as well, gazing into someone's soul. Are, are the eyes the gateway to the soul? Um, I think that's a useful metaphor. Uh, just sort of having someone kind of like opening your heart, you know, are your eyes open? Do you feel open? Because your eyes are your vision, which is for most people, they're maybe their predominant sense. Uh, so are you awake? Are you alert? Are you open? Are you receptive? Are you loving? Mm -hmm. uh, it seemed that not too long ago, Google had said that they're going to be able to upload the, the memories and experiences of humans into obviously a computer chip of some sort by the year 2150 recently they've revised that and said the year 2045 I mean, it went down over 100 years because technology is advancing that far if you could transfer your essence your consciousness your memories into a machine doctor would you uh well i don't think you could could uh, uh export your soul into a machine you could maybe put memories and data and information, but the soul has a, a certain wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, a certain experience, a certain love and creativity so that, that wouldn't that be no you. that no artificial intelligence could could duplicate, replicate. So that wouldn't be you in the machine. No, it, no, it would not be me. It would be, you know, parts mm -hmm. of my capacities. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough <laughs> about artificial intelligence to evaluate what it can pick up on. But, I mean, it's just like saying, uh, you know, sense of humor, a sense of choice. You know, mm -hmm. can, can a machine choose the way you choose? You know, mm -hmm. you have free will and choice. If you're artificial intelligence, do you have free will and choice? Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of humor unless it's sort of, you know, a kind of programmed to have jokes or something, you know? Uh, do you have spontaneity? Mm -hmm. 
I mentioned the dark soul and, it, and the eyes of being the window to the soul. I, there are people that I have seen that literally have dark eyes that seem unnatural. Would mm-hmm. that be an indicator of, oh, I guess I want to maybe go further. Does everyone have a soul? That's a good question. Uh, I believe they do. I can't speak, you know, authoritatively about it, but it might be a deadened soul. It might be a devoid soul. It might be kind of a soul sort of on life support that's distant. Uh, so so one could have a soul that is so damaged it appears dead, but could it be completely dead? I don't know. It, to me, it seems like the, everyone has the potential for life, even if it's if it's sort of gone out because it's part of the universe it's part of oneness because if we're all part of oneness if everything is connected assuming it's kind of living you know we're talking on kind of a living level instead of inert uh then there's some kind of consciousness there's some kind Mm -hmm. of spark there even if it's very uh, barely there or crushed out so you're saying it never goes away so i was going to follow up with the question then it might be applicable anyway if the soul is dead does something take the place of, of its location, of where it is, something else. Does something else take the place of the soul? I wouldn't say this something takes the place of the soul, but, I mean, it, we're kind of getting into some theoretical realms. I mean, it may be possible sure. that other beings or other energies come in and kind of fill up the void uh, because of you allowing, you know, kind of like, a, it's sort of like an experience of hanging out at a bar, hanging around with some unsavory people. If you kind of invite them into your life on one level or another, they're hanging out and suddenly, you know, they're taking over your house and, mm-hmm. and your finances and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Seems like I've heard police reports really recently that where the police described the assailant in maybe a grisly murder situation or or whatever that the, the, the assailant had uh no remorse whatsoever and i and it's, it's dear it seems like it was deeper than that more to the fact that they they were saying they recognize this person has no soul what no humanity it seems that the, the soul is the anchor to humanity and without it you don't you're not human anymore you're something else uh yeah i i guess i don't know what you've become but you've sort of lost your humanity there is a phrase like that you're sort of dead to the world. You're so, you're sort of on life support. Mm-hmm. In an, in another shocking, shockingly accurate scriptural reference, the Bible says there's a time when people will want to die, but they can't. And it seems to me if somebody was, if their essence was was captured by tech, some advanced tech, AI tech, and put in a machine, they would never die. Even though they wanted to, they never could. They'd just be transferred to another uh, processor somewhere. <laughs> Oh, you mean it, you mean if their consciousness could be put yeah, in artificial? Yeah, right. They never could die. They want to die, but they can't because they're always they're always on yeah, somebody. Yeah, that would be yeah. If that were possible, I guess it's a science fiction possibility. They're, they're always on somebody. They're, they're, they're inhabiting sense. somebody's thumb drive, and somebody makes a copy yeah. of it, and you you're never going to die. Yeah, I mean, as I, to me, that doesn't make sense because consciousness transcends something that could be put into like an artificial intelligence. I don't think it could be captured that way. Mm-hmm. Aspects of of our capacities could, but not our actual essence and soul. You know, when does the soul come into the body? Well, that's people have, and I can't say this for sure. I don't have a definitive answer, but generally people say it's, it's shortly before around birth, around the, the birth time. The soul may be before? determined, de- determines which, where, 
who how the parents it wants to be born, but the kind of conscious part that you think of the soul may be very shortly before or after birth. That's from what I understand, and I'm not a real expert. I can't. I haven't mm-hmm. studied that uh, closely. So you said it's a possibility the soul comes in to the baby before birth. Bef- maybe right before or right during. You know, right at the, around the time of birth. That, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure about that. Um. Now it seems there are uh, sonograms, if that's the right word, uh, of, of babies in the womb that the, that show that the babies in there have some characteristic, like maybe smiling. Uh-huh. Some have said laughing. Uh-huh. Uh, that to me seems like the essence of the human soul is in there, maybe at a much much earlier time than than near birth yeah i i don't know exactly uh the defining answer and i i can see why it's you know an interesting question that has a lot of relevance but if if one is kind of just learning as as a baby you know is just learning how to become a human uh just like an animal would they would be picking up all kinds of things of ways of of functioning you know again that's mm-hmm. functions mm-hmm. a lot of that's more functions than consciousness mm. In fact, well, to, to that point, it seems I remember a, a quote that was recently unearthed by Dr. Oz, who's uh, running for uh, what senator of Pennsylvania. It seems at some mm-hmm. point in his past, he said that uh, that a uh, a baby in the womb is a, is an acorn with electrical impulses. Is that what you're describing? The baby <laughs> I don't <in>? know. <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way. I wouldn't call a baby like an acorn with electric. That sounds a little cold. <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty damn cold. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, in fact, I would say that sounds soulless. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that yeah. sounds, I mean, that, that would be saying like an animal's just, you know, a piece of an acorn, you know, just pulsing yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. You know, your dog is just sort of a pulsing, you know, animal has electrical beats or something. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, let's check into our pulse. If we've moved that needle any, and it looks like the needle has moved, uh, 54% say the soul is the immaterial essence of a human, and I... Mm-hmm. And then the second one is the immortal part of the body. Third one is the subconscious. And nobody took my choice, a Beatles album. <laughs> uh, they were called Rubber well, Soul. They probably didn't even know there was a Beatles. You're on Beatles. the edge on that. You're the outlier. So, yeah, how's that happen? And then, uh, so, so, um, so we talked about the, the soul coming into the body. Where did the soul go after it leaves the body? Well, the way I understand it, 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 it checks what it did that life review and then it sees what it wants to do next in its journey to wholeness which can be other lifetimes or other realms hmm. looks like I, I didn't drag you far enough into the baby question somebody wants to know about your opinion and with the supreme court's getting ready to rule on roe v wade you got a you yay or nay or do you opt out of that question Oh, uh, I see. The, well, I, I don't really get that much into political things, but it seems like it was something that was functioning pretty well f- for most people to let people de- decide individually about that. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess that goes kind of goes back to my question about where does the soul go if somebody if if the soul is in there, and somebody snuffs out that soul. Uh, that can't be a good thing. That seems to me that they just that's not soul damage. That's soul murder there. Uh huh. Yeah, it could be, but it's it would the way it seems to be from the 
one way of looking at it is it's mm-hmm. part of the bigger picture of what the person wanted to experience, like part of that journey, like if you're being stillborn or something or having terrible things happen to you, not mm-hmm. that anyone wants that to happen mm-hmm. or that's mm-hmm. uh, approving of those kind of things, but it could be part of a bigger uh, uh, purpose that's sort of beyond what we normally consider ordinary thinking or ordinary mm-hmm. morality. Yeah, we've talked about in the first hour, I was posing the question or asking you, how, what do you think about those who you see there's no chance for their soul to elevate uh, their, their their hate to move to love? Yeah. And um, so this, this I would say, a group that looks as, as that baby in the womb as a soulless, as a thing without a soul can't be convinced that there is a soul. If they don't believe there's a soul in the womb, they're not going to believe there's a soul outside the womb. It's almost like your argument for what you believe about the soul is only going to apply to those who believe the soul even exists. <laughs> they, because they can't allow their self mentally to, to confirm that there could be a living soul in the body, so therefore they can do whatever they want with it. But if, they, if, they, if they've convinced themselves there's no soul in there, then they're probably convinced that there's no soul, period. And so their whole life may be a series of more leaning toward hateful actions because there's no soul mediation there. There's nothing to uh, to mediate their, their behavior. Because then doesn't soul come sort of attach itself to the consciousness? And that's why we know when we do wrong. The soul is saying, you talk about our messages, we're getting messages, that is wrong. There's certain things you just know is wrong. But there's a whole mm-hmm. class of people that don't have that compunction that there is something wrong that the only mm-hmm. right is what advances their personal cause could be yeah some people kind of forget the bigger picture yeah and go in what's right for themselves on a deeper level and a lot of that's very individualistic and it's very hard to you know tell for one person you know what's right for me and what's right for you because we may be in the same same situation and the choice to just depends where it's coming from might be a different we might make a different choice that could be right for each of us. Mm, okay. Uh, the question came back, uh, the difference between the soul and the spirit. Did you address that earlier? Oh, the, I, I see spirit as sort of the energy of God pervading through the soul, sort of that, that wonderful energy that comes through us all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm, I've been taking notes, but I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. Then where does the soul go after, after the body? Well, the soul makes a decision, evaluates what happened in this life, how much of its purpose and how far it got in its journey and what it wants to do next, which Mm. could be reflect, relax, uh, learn, go on to another lifetime, go on to another realm. So our soul is almost like an autonomous creation. It decides what it wants to do. I mean, would that be the same as you deciding what you want to do? Or is it some other thing that on your behalf is deciding I am here as an aspect of my soul, sort of a creation of my soul. I believe everyone is. So even though we may not be aware of that, we're here for a reason. We may not realize the reason or wake up to it. and then, But we have a sense of it often to a degree, especially at those intense moments of awareness and big choices in our life. Mm-hmm. Is, is every- and we learn what we want to learn and come as far as we want. But we are sort of a representative uh, scout, uh, uh, an expression of our soul. Um, is every soul that exists or has ever existed, is there a finite number of souls or is there somewhere where souls are continually being created? I 
don't know the number the the soul creation you know what the limits and numbers are i don't know well i mean nobody could know the answer to how many but is your feeling that they are continually as more humans are being born or these because you're it seems like you've mentioned uh, reincarnation several times is so are these the same beings going around and around and around or is somewhere I say a baby's born and there's another soul. Is that somebody else's soul? So there's never a change in a number. You don't have to say the number, but do you believe that there are if a finite and a number? There are no more. Or are they going to be continue? Are they are they somewhere being added? We don't need to discuss. I, I don't know if there is a finite number or not. Is what I'm saying. I mean, from what I've I've understood, there are probably you know, billions or countless numbers of souls. Because if you have to, you have to kind of tally in the whole universe, mm-hmm. we're just one small universe among billions of universes. Not, and then trillions of planets. So, I mean, it, it's, it kind of goes off the charts of our left brain of trying to figure that out. Mm. Now, where did your soul come from? Where did it come from? Mm. <laughs> uh, well, it came from oneness, from the universe, from God, uh, uh, essentially. Mm. You know, it may have gone through different systems and star systems and so forth to get here eventually, you know. Yeah, and the final... Another scripture pointed in my mind, come into my mind says, talk about the soul and the baby we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. It does say, before you were born, I knew you, indicating that your soul was in existence somewhere. Some people have suggested there's like a soul warehouse, and then a body's born, and that's taken. So, you know, a lot of people have different ideas about that, but it does seem to be an, an eternal aspect about it. Well, listen, uh, Dr. Philip Montrose, I appreciate you coming on the show. Now, we've got your book in the background. How can people get this book and tell us a little, another blurb about it? What is it going to do for us? Uh, the, the book? The book. Yeah, the book will help you to connect consciously, easily with your soul and to heal from it and to learn about aspects of things like meditation and how you can use your mental, physical, emotional intelligence to advance your life and be on purpose. So that will be extremely valuable for living fully. If you want to live a full life, if you want to live an intentional life, if you want to live a more loving and creative life, this book is very easy to read with a lot of case studies and examples on how to do that. And we have a little free gift that we have on our website uh, that has an excerpt from The Loving Power of Your Soul, which you can also get on Amazon and paperback or Kindle. But if, if you want a free excerpt, go to our website and go to tinyurl.com slash uh, spiritual-kit, tinyurl.com slash spiritual-kit. And we have an excerpt and we have a video on some of the healing methods that we do and some resources there. And and that's a shortened URL. Our, our website, which is quite extensive, is mm-hmm. getting through, getting thru.org. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I see you, your wife is involved in some of these things here as well. Does she, do you talk about soulmate, is, is, do you feel like she's your soulmate? We, uh, one way we've we've uh, understood it, one system uh, would call us task companions. Some people are kind of like they mm. call them essence twins, where they're very similar. Mm. Uh, and some people are just have sort of a soul plan to work together. Since we're not only husband and wife, we're actually uh, writing and teaching and doing all these projects, and have a nonprofit uh, institute called Awakenings Institute that we do together. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm going to say y'all soulmates. <laughs> okay. All right, Dr. Phil Montrose, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast. Great being with you, Daniel. Thanks. All right. And how did you like the interview style and how it went for you tonight? 
It was good. It was interesting. It was challenging at times. It, it went into some interesting areas. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show.